Hi, folks. This is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. Speaking of real food, I've got a steaming cup of bone broth here to help me rock this show. Uh, It's one of my secret weapons. We have it almost every day here in this house. Allison loves it. I love it. And bone broth is one of those things that a lot of people, especially in the paleo space, talk about, but don't actually put into practice that much. But it's the first thing that we have if we ever get sick. Uh, It's great for improving your gut health, giving you high quality collagen protein, which helps you hold off aging as long as you possibly can. And it's packed with nutrients that most of us don't get enough of. And we actually just found uh, a local source of pasture-raised grass-fed beef bones for two bucks a pound, which is crazy. So it's, it's one of the best bang for your buck type real paleo foods that a lot of people aren't getting enough of. So if you don't know how to make it, no problem. Uh, Essentially, you just throw some bones in a crock pot with some water and a little bit of vinegar and let them go for 24 to 48 hours. But if you have any questions, go to fatburningman.com. You can find directions there or just Google it. Super easy. But anyway, bone broth, check it out. So this week, we're here with Jimmy Moore to talk about how he lost over 100 pounds by eating almost 100% Fat. Talk about fat burning man. So for those of you who are interested in ketosis, and I know that's a lot of you given the questions I've been getting from you recently, don't miss this one. But before we get to the show, I have an epic giveaway alert. We're giving away $1,000 to spend on real food. I'll tell you about how to enter in just a second. But just a quick note, this is only for U.S. listeners. If you're listening from across the pond, Bear with me for just a second, and don't worry, we've got some giveaways coming up for you too. But one of the biggest comments I get from listeners and readers is that buying real, paleo-friendly, healthy food is either number one, extremely difficult, or two, way too expensive. So if you're in that boat like we are, you might think that the online shopping club Thrive Market is pretty cool. You've probably heard a lot of other paleo, raw, or even mainstream podcasters and authors talking about Thrive. It's taking the health food world by storm. Thrive has the best-selling 4,000 natural health and wellness products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. So it's kind of like Costco for paleo people, except you don't have to drive there. So Allison and I have been ordering from Thrive for the past few months, and we really dig it. We've been saving a ton of money on our food bill every month. We're getting some of our favorite paleo and raw snacks, staples and spices like chocolate. They have great chocolate, coconut oil and nut butter all shipped out to our front door, even though we live way out in the woods. So here's the giveaway alert. We've teamed up with Thrive Market to do an epic giveaway for listeners of Fat Burning Man. You can win $1,000 in a shopping spree. That's a lot of chocolate and one of 10 free year-long memberships. Whether you're a first-time purchaser or a current member, you can join the giveaway for your chance to win 1000 bucks to spend at Thrive. And if you're new to Thrive, you'll even get 25% off your first purchase, which is pretty awesome considering their food is already half off. So to sign up for the giveaway and get 25% off your first purchase, visit fatburningman.com forward slash Thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. One more time, that's fatburningman.com forward slash thrive. And once again, this giveaway is only for listeners in the U.S., but if you're listening from across the pond, hopefully we'll have some giveaways coming up for you here soon as well. All right, so onto the show with the living La Vida low-carb man and podcaster extraordinaire, Mr. Jimmy Moore. On this show, you'll learn how to get electrolytes on a keto diet, why Jimmy doesn't do carb refeeds, 
the sticky truth about natural sweeteners, what to do about keto breath, how to find out how many carbs are right for you, and much more. (laughs) Sorry. All right, let's go hang out with Jimmy. All right, folks, I'm so happy to be here this week with the one and only Mr. Jimmy Moore. He's the author of Keto Clarity, Cholesterol Clarity, the ketogenic cookbook and host of the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Jimmy, how is it going, man? What's up, Abel? Life is so good. It's it's always great to have a podcaster on the other end because we and know we can just... you're closer to me, man. You, you live closer to me now than you used to. We're practically neighbors. We, we still I know have we're to neighbors. have that barbecue. We're going to have that barbecue. That is so happening. <laughs> so, Jimmy, it's been uh, a true pleasure to see what's happened in the past few years of people... People have really gotten on board with the message of paleo, keto, and they've been learning a lot from you. I think one of the coolest things you've been able to do recently, especially with your new cookbook, is put those worlds together. So uh, why don't we just give people a quick little background, because I think it's important, on where you started. I think when you were when you were in your early 30s, you were over 400 yep. pounds. Is that right? That's right. I was 410 pounds at the age of 32. I had just watched my brother a few years back have a series of heart attacks that nearly killed him at the age of 32, uh, his 32. It did eventually kill him at the age of 41. So all of this kind of got the wheels turned and I need to do something about it. So my story was my mother-in-law gave me Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution, read the book, thought this was, this guy was a quack. (laughs) Who eats more fat? Who eats less carbs? How do you have energy? You know, how do you prevent heart disease doing that? But I did it and uh, was very successful at the weight loss aspect of it. And that really was kind of my claim to fame in 2004 when this happened. I have since really put a lot more focus on my own work in recent years on the health benefits. Mm -hmm. I think we obsess way too much on weight loss. Yeah, Weight loss is cool. And I see all these great little people online talking about, oh, I'm your fat loss coach and I'll get (laughs) you there. And, you know, I. I think sometimes in the weight loss message, we totally negate all the good stuff that's happening. And people say, well, I'm not losing anything on the scale, so therefore I am not being successful. Oh, yeah, you are. If your triglycerides are going down, if your HDL is going up, if your inflammation is going down, your blood pressure is going down, those are all positive moves in the right direction no matter what your weight's doing. Yeah. So I've really tried to focus in on more of the health benefits, and that's definitely what I love 10 years later, still doing this, love about this uh, way of eating. It is a journey, isn't it? And yeah. I, I think one of the problems too, uh, and you are, you and I are kind of in a similar situation in a lot of ways, a lot of people in the industry, where people get their information from, are owners of companies. And those companies yeah. generally serve a need, and it could be supplements, it could be food products, but generally, a lot of the information that people are getting is the marketing arm of a big company. And yeah. I, I think it's so cool that you're kind of like a homegrown podcaster, right? And <laughs> you write books, and uh, I, I really think that they're great. The ketosis side of things has exploded recently. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why do you think that's happening? Yeah, in 2013, um, I was telling you before we came on the air, 2013, the most Googled search terms in diet were obviously paleo number one, but ketogenic snuck in there at number five. And I I think it started to come on the radar screen 
um, because I was doing my N equals one in 2012 on ketogenic. Mm -hmm. And I think just more and more research has come out in just the past few years on this as well. And there's just this hunger and thirst that there's got to be more. And it's really more than just low carb. You know, a lot of the low carbers, myself included, were pretty stagnant for a little while of, mm -hmm. all right, well, I'm not really seeing all the results I want. Something's got to give here. There's something else missing. And I think uh, once we kind of identified that you really have to measure for the ketones to see how well you're doing to, in your fat burning mode, fat burning man show, um, you, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're, you're testing to see that. And if people assumed that they were in ketosis, just eating low carb, mm -hmm. that was a major, major mistake. And I think now that people see that it's more than just eating meat and cheese and eggs, um, and you know, this whole cookbook is all chock full of more than just meat, cheese, and eggs recipes. Mm -hmm. I, I just think people are ready for something that's going to work, and there's been so much compelling research, it's hard to ignore it. Yeah. That is one of the fattiest cookbooks I've ever seen, in a good way. I like it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we get too far ahead, ketosis, very low carb. Uh, why would someone consider going in that direction? I would say anyone who is uh, significantly insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. So you've had morbid obesity, uh, you've had type 2 diabetes, <laughs> you've had any number of, of things that would put you on the pathway that your um, insulin response is not quite what it should be. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you eat carbohydrates, that insulin should take care of the carbs, your blood sugar stay relatively stable, and you're good. Not everybody has that, and I would dare say, Abel, that it's a great majority of the population does not have that kind of response, that normal response. Mm -hmm. So that's where ketogenic comes into play, and there's all kinds of diseases we talked about in Keto Clarity, epilepsy, uh, PCOS, mm -hmm. and, and even cancer is some of the newer research, and Alzheimer's disease. Those are all things that are to the extreme, but I'm talking about the everyday person. Everyday person that's going around and, and they can't look at a banana without it raising their blood sugar, right. then you probably need a ketogenic diet. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to go as low a carb or as much fat. You kind of have to tinker and test mm -hmm. and see where you are. Uh, one of the things we did in the ketogenic cookbook was we came up with this whole ketometer where you can see if it's uh, very ketogenic, which right. is three ticks on the ketometer, moderately ketogenic, two ticks, or it's somewhat ketogenic, one tick. So if you're on the very insulin resistant side, you want to try to get the ones that are very ketogenic. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's one of those things that there's no harm in it. Mm -hmm. It's just real food. It, it always amazes me kind of the weeping and gnashing of teeth that people have about the ketogenic diet. We're talking about food. I don't see anything on that front cover <laughs> that is anything that anybody could eat that they're going to die tomorrow because they ate it. But at the same time, some people have uh, health concerns about adopting something that is very low carb, say straining on the kidneys, other things like that. If you have certain conditions, it can be harder on the body. Well, that's what they say. I've never seen the evidence. Let, huh. Let's see the evidence that those things actually happen. Um, and there's a lot of things that have been put out there, and I understand why they're put out there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other interests at stake. And even paleo has put out a few of those things. And, you know, quite frankly, that that's always baffled me because I think paleo and keto and low carb for that matter, all kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I attend all the paleo conferences, you know, I, I don't understand it. It just baffles me why there's such this friction between the communities. I think 
if you want to do both, do both. If you can do a straight up, you know, strict by the book paleo, mm-hmm. do it. If you want to do the wild diet, do that. I mean, find what works for you has always been my mantra. Yeah. Let's stop vilifying one end of the paleo template. Right. <laughs> I totally agree with that. And it's interesting to see uh, all of the infighting about the tiny little details of yeah. things, uh, especially because no one is immune to that. And certainly no dogmatic way of of eating or living is immune to that. We were talking before we started recording about some of the bones we have to pick with paleo, which is yeah. you know using something like tapioca starch or uh, tons of honey. You know, I'd, walking into Whole Foods and seeing all the things that are labeled paleo oh. these days is a travesty. Oh, you know, that, yeah. and that's one of the reasons, like I've said before, I use the wild diet because it's you know something else. At least no one is co-opting that for marketing purposes yet. Anyway. But the, might. <laughs> the issue the issue with um, a lot of these different things is that it seems that some of the choices are arbitrary or need some timing to kind of figure out why this would work or why it wouldn't. So yeah. for tapioca starch, for example, or eating too much honey, why wouldn't that work for your body? Well, number one, I'm extremely insulin resistant, like we were talking about with the carbohydrate tolerance. Mm-hmm. I just know that many carbohydrates, it's going to produce an insulin response. It's going to produce a blood sugar response. It's going to raise my triglycerides. I've seen it happen. And if it's as simple as just eliminating those things and sticking to the ones that are much lower in carbs and quite frankly, much more moderate in protein as well, which can Mm -hmm. be a problem for a lot of people. I don't see that there's anything wrong that I choose to do that for myself. And if you can have those things and you have all the same markers that I have, I don't see a problem with you choosing to have all those things and being happy with that. Yeah. I think at the at the end of the day, Abel, it comes down to personal choice. What's mm-hmm. going to be right for you? The thing is, people just blindly follow gurus. Right. And they say, well, my guru says I can have a white potato and it's not going to bother me. I say challenge your guru and say, okay, I'll try the white potato, but I'm going to pull out my glucometer at one hour and two hour and see postprandial what that blood sugar is doing. And if it's going up significantly, hmm, maybe that white potato is not so good for me. Not that it's not a good one for maybe somebody else, but for me, I just know it's not right for me. So I'm all for people self-testing, seeing how things work for them, because even in your book, in my book, everybody's book, you can follow them to the T but if it's not right for that individual, it's not right. Right. So um, now let's shift gears a little bit when it comes to special considerations for ketosis in general. Because some people, uh, you know, you can dip your toes into going gluten-free or something like that. Dipping your toes into ketogenic is a much bigger commitment, right? Can you, can you talk right. on that point a little bit? What should you be thinking about? Why might it be right for you, um, especially beyond being insulin resistant. Yeah, I I think yeah, definitely the insulin resistant is is the big one. That yeah. I mean if if you have elevated blood sugar like in the upper 90s into the 100s even, you probably have insulin resistance already. You might have those skin tags on your mm-hmm. body, that's also a sign of insulin resistant. You may have acne breakouts on your face, that's also insulin resistance. So yeah. you, you may not think you have it, but you probably do. Um, and, and even for the people that aren't necessarily explicitly insulin resistant, you want to keep from getting there. Right. So one of the things that a ketogenic diet does is it keeps the blood sugar at a stable level. The reason you get insulin resistance is you're working your 
pancreas to have to make all this insulin to deal with the blood sugar. Well, how does blood sugar go up in the first place? It's mainly carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So if you minimize those carbohydrates, and then another way that blood sugar can go up is with too much protein, as we talked about in Keto Clarity. Um, so moderating down on the protein and then covering all those calories that you took away with more fat, mostly saturated and monounsaturated fats, you know, those things are going to shift your metabolism dramatically from sugar to fat burner. Yeah. And so if you're burning fat for fuel, if you're a fat burning man, <laughs> then you're not going to be having all of the ill effects that would come with that. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, you get lots of great benefits of hunger control. You lose the cravings for sugar. I, I gave up diet sodas finally. It took me forever, yeah. Abel. But I finally gave those up about five or six months ago. I switched over to kombucha. Uh -huh. And, yeah, it's got a little sugar in it, but I want those gut bugs in me. Yeah. And it's been the best thing I've ever done, um, well, since low-carb. Uh, to really kind of shift my body and shift the way I'm looking at my health. So I, I think it's just one of those things that keto can be looked at as a great hack. Mm -hmm. Just hack and, and see how you do. Give it 30 to 60 days. And if you feel like crap, please stop doing it. Yeah. Uh, but be sure you do it in a well-formulated way. One of the mistakes that people commonly make when they go keto, because it is so satisfying, is they don't eat enough calories. Mm-hmm. So then they start having the down regulation of their thyroid. And, oh, look, that keto diet destroyed my thyroid. No, it didn't. The low calorie yeah. destroyed your thyroid. So um, I think it's just one of those things that get a good resource. We think we have a couple in the ketogenic uh, cookbook and mm -hmm. Keto Clarity that will help people identify how to do it and how to do it well. And then go from there and see how you do. So how do you uh, do it at the beginning then? Would you recommend counting macros to make sure you're getting enough food? Yeah, absolutely, and counting calories as well to yeah. start, not not to make sure uh, you're you're limiting them, but to make sure you're getting enough. Um, right. I, I was telling you before we came on the air, I was having some issues with some iron levels, and the guy said, I'm looking at your menus. It doesn't look like you're eating enough calories, and I'm thinking, I feel like I'm eating a lot of calories, uh, tend to eat about one to two meals a day, and it was around 22 to 2,300 calories. Mm -hmm. He said, you probably need about 25, 26 I mean, it's just those little things that you don't realize you're not having enough that could make the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so how would you know? Again, tinker and test. You yeah. have to just <laughs> see how you do. Uh, you know, and I hate to be kind of vague like that, but I think too often in this community uh, of health, we try to have this is the answer. Mm hmm. And I think this is the answer for Abel James is going to be dramatically different from this is the answer for Jimmy Moore. I can tell you it is. Yeah. And, and wouldn't it make sense that it would be completely different considering our lifestyles, Absolutely. our ages? Our, I mean, you're so much taller than I am. Just just <laughs> the idea that we would all have the same sort. <laughs> I made myself taller. <laughs> Here we go. I'm, I'm a little taller now. Um but just the idea that we would all have the same dogmatic plan that we should all be following is one of the biggest errors in, in thinking, I think, especially in the Western world, about diet. And it's why we have so many diet books. I mean, yeah. you have a diet book. I have a diet book. You know, we, there are so many diet books out there. Yeah. And I think that speaks to this very issue, the fact that there are thousands upon thousands of diet books on Amazon um, speaks to people are looking for answers. Mm -hmm. And of course they want to, again, they're, they're guru worshiping a little bit when they try to buy, you know, Dr. Dean Ornish's book and, Oh, that must be the one. Mm -hmm. Well, it might be the one for somebody, but not necessarily you. 
Well, I could say when I first started going low carb, uh, and this is something that, that a lot of people who are especially active and young experience, you go too low carb for too long and it is easy to go without enough calories. And so yeah. for me, um, I, it's, you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, you're kind of sleepy, your sex drive goes down, all these things, what you were talking about before, downregulation of the thyroid, I've experienced yeah. that earlier in my life. And uh, I don't like it one bit, but that's why it's so important to kind of test, know what you're testing when you're testing it, right? Yeah, I think y- you do that very well. What would you recommend to people who are just getting started trying to figure all of this stuff out with their own body? Yeah, I mean, that glucometer is just mm-hmm. invaluable. I mean, how easy it is to go down to your Walgreens, your Walmart and get a glucometer you don't have to be diabetic to get one. Just grab it. It's about maybe $10, $15 for the glucometer itself, mm-hmm. somewhere around 50 cents for the strips. And that data that it gives you is just so invaluable. I'm still waiting for them to do one with my like smart devices so I can just prick my finger you know, and stick it on the device and beep, there it is. Um, so that is first and foremost. I mean, and a blood pressure uh, machine would be mm-hmm. really awesome just to kind of keep an eye on that as well. I have this, um, I can't reach it from here. Maybe Christine can grab it for me, but I have this thing that it's a tricorder. You stick it on your forehead and it gives you this readout on your smartphone of like your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, what else does it do? Oh, body temperature. It's on the ground, darling. <laughs> She's we helping live me in out. the future, don't we? We live in the future. Uh, and so, you know, it's these kind of things that are really cool that are yeah. out there that you can track yourself. And I would just say anything that you can possibly measure, just measure it. And there's so many things at home you can do. And then, of course, if you're trying to be ketogenic, you definitely have to be measuring some way, somehow your ketones and blood is definitely the the go to. It's uh, measure uh, measured by a device called Precytonics. And uh, oh, you can't find it. OK, sorry. She can't find it. <laughs> I probably hit it somewhere. All right. So thanks, honey. So, um, and you blow into that and it shows your breath ketone. So it's pretty cool. Uh, all the technologies that are out there, but, uh, as a baseline, just very simple blood sugar, blood pressure, mm-hmm. um, and even just kind of tracking your calories just to see how much you're eating. I think that could be fascinating information. So you make sure you don't get too low yeah. in the calories. Right. Which is an interesting problem to have, isn't it? Cause we're so used to, the it's the exact opposite, opposite yes. of that. So it's almost, it makes counting calories fun again in a way, right? <laughs> because you're like, oh, I get to eat that now. Counting calories is never fun, no. brother. <laughs> but at least it's not restriction. It's not restriction, that's for sure. In fact, uh, Jeff Volick, uh, one of the uh, big researchers in the low-carb world, mm-hmm. um, he uh, did a study one time, and I, I saw him give this presentation where he had uh, people on a low-fat, higher-carb diet and they were calorie restricted. They were like, this is your number of calories, like 2,100, whatever it was per day. This is your calories. For the low-carb group, he said, you're low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic, but we're not going to restrict your calories. Now, you would think with the unrestricted calorie group, they would eat and far surpass the calorie-restricted group, right? Mm-hmm. They ate exactly the same number of calories. Interesting. Yeah, it was huh. fascinating. I'll try to find that research for you so you can put it in the show notes. Now, you said you eat one to two meals a day. So yeah. do you consider that fasting? What, what does that look like? So if I wake up in the morning and I'm not hungry at all, mm-hmm. I'm just not eating. And I'm all, all due respect to my, my bud, Dave Asprey. I hate coffee. I don't do bulletproof <laughs> coffee. If I need bulletproof something, I'll make some bone broth 
and throw some butter in there. And that's my bulletproof bone broth. Cheers to you. I got some bone broth right here. And it is delicious. Cheers, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and so if I'm not hungry when I wake up in the morning, I just don't eat. And usually I don't eat breakfast. You know, people are like, oh, you have to have breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I just don't agree it's in the morning. <laughs> it could be 12 o'clock. I love that. One o'clock in the yeah. afternoon when you finally get hungry and I'll have that meal, a pretty sizable meal. Um, cause you know, if that's the only meal you eat all day, you've got to have enough calories in that meal. And generally if I get enough calories in that one meal, I don't have to eat the rest of the day. Sometimes I'll get a little hungry in the evening and I'll have a little something. But, uh, most of the time that midday meal is my biggest meal of the day and, and generally my only meal. Yeah. So, so yeah, all the other time is fasting. Your meal, what does it look like generally? So this has shifted a little bit since uh, some of the uh, testing that I've had done uh, that I talked to you before we came on the air. Um, it's definitely bone broth uh, is the is the basis of it with with butter. Always, I got to have some fat and some bone broth. Yeah, and then I'm putting the the meat in there. And generally, it's something I bought from the farmers market. Uh, I've really forged a really good relationship with my local farmers market here. Uh, they see me coming a mile away. So yeah. here comes living low carb man. So <laughs> yeah, that's me. So um, I get my uh, my grass-fed meats, pastured pork, and those kinds of things, uh, pastured eggs, really amazing food. Um, and I'll cook that in the pan. Um, I also have become very fond of slow cooking a lot of my proteins now. Yeah. So it's so easy just to throw it into the crock pot with, what else? Bone broth and lots of spices. And uh, we, we grew our first garden out there to, uh, this year. Oh, and I've nice. been using uh, homemade basil uh, homegrown basil and uh, cilantro and dill and throwing it into there as well. So kind of spicing up everything. We're so going to expand it next year. You kind of get the bug once you start doing that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, slow roasting that and I'll have that. And sometimes I'll just heat that up, you know, once we've had that cooked for the 10 hours, it's mm-hmm. slow, um, low and low and slow, as they say. Um, and then I throw a bunch of vegetables in there. So everything from squash to spinach to kale, I mean, you name it vegetable-wise, low-carb, uh, green leafy, non-starchy vegetable, I'm putting it in that pan. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then just kind of cooking that up, throwing an avocado on the side, and, and that's a meal. Uh, I've been posting a lot of them on Instagram, and people are like, whoa, that is so cool. I'm like, if you realize how easy this is, yeah. it's so stupid easy, and yet so tasty. Um, we went on a trip recently, uh, Christine and I up to North Carolina just to kind of get away. Yeah. And I made all of my food for the week that we ate there and basically just reheated it when we got there. Wow. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to uh, mope around. What do I eat when I'm on vacation? Yeah. yeah it, just, it just takes a little planning, but it can be done. It can be done. Having done it for the past year straight. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you and Allison definitely know. You definitely can do it. Yeah, so no excuses, even if you're on the road. You can always have right. awesome food. Um, and a lot of those stores are starting to become more and more accommodating now, so that's kind of cool, too. I, I've seen pictures of people posting from, say, an airport. They've got kombucha in airports now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have grass-fed options in airports now. So uh, $10 definitely kombucha don't, in airports. I know, right? <laughs> Cheers. Um, Let me ask you this, Jimmy. What do your macros look like these days? How many carbs are you limiting it to? Does it change day by day? What does it look like? 
So I stopped counting a long time ago, mm -hmm. um, only because I've done this so long, Abel, that I think once you focus so intently, and you asked a question earlier I never did answer about, you know, um, should people start at some kind of macronutrient ratio? I'm not a fan of macronutrient ratios per mm -hmm. se. I think they're a good guide. You know, when I did my N equals one of nutritional ketosis, people saw mine and they're like, oh, I'm going to do 85% fat and 12% protein and three. Yeah. No, that's not what you should do necessarily. Again, it's a tinker and test thing. So, no, I've done this so long. I, I consider counting all those things dieting, mm -hmm. and I've tried to stop dieting. I tried to start living. Yeah. Uh, the first three letters of dieting is die. I, I don't want to die trying to you know do this to the nth degree. Now, if you're just starting off, sure, go ahead and do it for a little while. But I think after a while, it becomes very uh, instinctive. You know, they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Yeah. I've got the habit of I know my carbs are probably somewhere around 25 to 30 grams a day. So what I don't about have to the, think about uh, the protein because you want to make sure you're not overeating that on keto. That's exactly right. So that's one that I did tinker and test with way back when, when I was doing my experimenting. So I try to keep it to around 80 to 100 grams of protein a day, which okay. people don't think in grams in America. But uh, that translates to maybe like five ounces of meat mm -hmm. and maybe a few eggs in there. And, and that's pretty much my protein for the day. Yeah. And so the rest is fat. It's fat. Well, fat and fiber, I guess I should say, right? Yeah, the fiber and the vegetables for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it, a lot of people have a trouble with this. Well, should I count net carbs? Should I count total carbs? Mm -hmm. um, I think net carbohydrates gets people in a lot of trouble because they start looking at like things like sugar alcohols and these right. products. If you're eating real food, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're eating products and you think, oh, that Atkins bar is awesome, um, two net carbs, but look at it and it's 28 grams of carbs, mostly polyols, and you're yep. going, I don't think that's very good for me. <laughs> you're right. It's not very good for you. Yeah. Um, but if you're sticking to the real food, uh, pretty much the only thing you would subtract would, would be the fiber if you're going to do the, the whole net carb. So I, I've kind of vacillated a little bit on that one because if you're just strictly looking at real food and just strictly re uh, you know, reducing the amount of fiber from the total carbs, I'm totally good with that. I mm -hmm. think that's, that's perfectly fine. It's not that it doesn't have any response. So be careful subtracting thing. Well, I can have, you know, 50 bushels of, of broccoli. Well, number one, don't do that. You'll have problems in, that you don't want. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. but uh, you know, you can't eat, overeat too much fiber. And plus with the gut health stuff that we're uh, definitely learning a lot more about now, you want those fibrous vegetables to feed that good gut flora too. Yeah, yeah. Now, so you mentioned uh, sugar alcohols. And that's yeah. one thing that I've seen, especially as as keto gets bigger, there are a lot of different blogs out there that say, this sweetener is okay. This one's not. A lot of them are using sucralose, Splenda, yeah. um, certainly stevia. What What is your stance on that? I saw in the book you use erythritol. Um, tiny, tiny bits of it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah um, my personal stance on on all of those sweeteners is if you can avoid them, do. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's probably, and this has been kind of a transformation for me and my thinking somewhat is, it's probably better to have a little bit of sugar mm -hmm. than a whole lot of artificial sugars, yeah. which are generally hundreds of times sweeter than sugar. Um, obviously, if you can give it all up altogether, that's great. I, I think that's, that's the goal. But there's just too many question marks when it comes to these artificial sweeteners. Now, in the ketogenic cookbook, we did say, choose your favorite sweetener. We weren't very explicit about 
necessarily using any particular sweetener. I know my co-author, Maria Emmerich, who's a brilliant recipe maker, she's a big fan of that swerve sweetener. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, if I'm going to use a sweetener, it's going to be stevia as the first choice, just mm -hmm. pure 100% stevia. Um, and then if you have to put a little bit of erythritol for that right mouthfeel and all that stuff, then then fine. But yeah, as a rule, I think if you can do with less of it, do with less of it. Yeah. We've been doing a few experiments ourselves, my wife and I, recently with, uh, especially early in the day, seeing what uh, stevia or sugar alcohols or other little things like that that taste sweet but might not necessarily technically be carbs. Right. What it does for us. And it's been really interesting monitoring our own responses to that because we noticed that some days we are just ravenous in the afternoon. And it <laughs> seems like there's this hole that we can't fill in. Uh, and, and so I think as this lifestyle expands and you're starting to see all these substitute sodas and uh, other sort of junk processed foods that are disguised as keto or paleo or anything else, it gets a little bit dicey, but we definitely notice yeah. over consuming or even consuming a little bit of like a sweet uh, stevia taste in the morning can really have some effects on you that you don't want for the rest of the day. And, and that's a powerful N equals one you've done there. And, and I don't doubt it. I've seen it myself as well, um, which is why I've tried to move away from, you know, doing sweet too often. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting when you do that is you start to notice the sweetness even in like meat. Right. It's like, whoa, there's kind of a little bit of sweetness in the meat when, when you get, you know, your, your taste buds tamed down. Now, keep in mind, I used to drink 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day. So it wow. took a while for me to get off of that kind of sweetness in my brain and sure. all the reward response I got from that to then switching to diet soda. And it, I mean, it's just a process that people have to go through. And nobody's judging you if you're not there yet, but definitely try to get there someday. Mm -hmm. Now, what about keto breath? <laughs> Pop a mint, dude. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see that as a big deal. I know people talk about, oh, your breath is horrid. Oh, you must be on a low-carb diet. And, uh, no, I mean, I, at the end of the day, that's just kind of a smoke screen to get people to not want to do this. It's another one of those, your kidneys are going to explode, your thyroid's going to whatever. And I, I just think, you know, drink more water if you're worried about your breath stinking. Just, you know, flush it out or whatever. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think the, a lot of these things are just, excuses that people give themselves. Oh, that's why I won't do a ketogenic diet because I'll have horrid breath. Okay, great. Um, horrid breath, but uh, uh, amazing health. I'll take it. <laughs> well, um, and carb refeeds. I wanted to make sure I asked you about that too. So yeah. that's probably not something that, that you would do. What, what is your stance on that? Yeah, I can't do it. I, I have tried. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of Kiefer's. I think he's got a lot of great ideas, a lot of wacky ideas, but a lot of great ideas as well. <laughs> he's off as a rocker. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I love Kiefer. But, um, no, in a I, good way. I, in a, <laughs> oh, off as a rocker in a good way. Okay. Totally. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I think if someone is trying to maximize performance and they feel like that a refeed will give them that that big boost to restore their glycogen stores and all that uh, that comes with the refeed, mm -hmm. go for it. Again, it's one of these individualized things and see how you do. Um, I would never say, well, a refeed never works for anybody. Well, obviously, it works for some people. I've seen all of, of Kiefer's um, you know, success stories. There's definitely people that find great success in it. The interesting thing about a refeed is five or six days of that week, you're pretty darn keto. Right. So I, I think it's, it's one of those things that pick your poison. If you want to do that, 
try it, see how you do. Again, test all those markers mm-hmm. um, and see what happens. Um, I have tried it. I never have seen the benefits from refeeding uh, with carbohydrates, and uh, and I would love to have me a you know big old sweet potato you know or two or three at the end of the week. Yeah, uh, just doesn't happen for me, but that doesn't mean it can't happen for you. So, do you have sweet potato or regular potato at all, or popcorn or anything else like that every once in a while, or not really? I've never had popcorn since I've gone ke- uh, keto. Definitely since low carbs. So that's been over a decade. Wow. I I do have. I, I don't eat white potatoes. If I'm going to eat a potato, I'm going to have sweet potato. Yeah. Because they're just so amazing. I mean, that orange goodness. Yeah. So I was. Um, Christine and I were visiting my my dad recently in Tennessee, and I stopped. We went out to eat, and I got a baked sweet potato with my steak. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. I, they put a little bit of. I told them leave the sugar off. I'll take the cinnamon, but leave right. the sugar off. Right. And but slather it with butter, and I ate that thing. It was amazing. But I know my blood sugar went up after that. Yeah. And uh, you know, every once in a while, it's not going to hurt you. It's when you do it day after day after day that that uh, that that's not so good. Right. So um, before we go, because I can't believe we're already coming up on time. But uh, is there anything in terms of electrolytes for people who might be on keto and trying to get everything in order? Uh, yeah. How do you think about salt, magnesium, potassium? What does that look like? You're preaching my song there because <laughs> I, I think this is a biggie. When people first start a ketogenic diet, uh, you know they they fall into conventional wisdom on a lot of things. Well, salt's going to harm you, so you can't have more salt. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You need more salt now more than ever before when you start a ketogenic diet because you're literally losing a lot of salt because it's dumping all the glycogen stores. There's some salt in there as well. So you've got to replenish that. Mm-hmm. So definitely that's a big one. Water is another one that is dumped when the glycogen stores are gone. That's why you go pee a lot when you first start a ketogenic diet. You go in the bathroom every 10 minutes. That's why mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't last long. Once the glycogen's gone and you've shifted from sugar burner to fat burner, um, the water, uh, it doesn't come out of you so quickly. But you've got to replenish that as it's coming out of you. And then you mentioned potassium and magnesium, invaluable for electrolyte balance. Potassium, a lot of people able think they have to eat a banana to get potassium. Right. There's actually twice as much potassium in an avocado as there is a banana. Thank so God eat a friggin' that. avocado and it's so, oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, and then magnesium, I use it in supplement form uh, right before bedtime. It helps me mm-hmm. sleep. So those are all things that you can do, very easy to do, um, to keep those electrolytes in balance. And it's something that, interestingly, a lot of people don't think about until uh, they start to do something that's, it that's very low carb. <laughs> until it hurts, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when, they're, when they get leg cramps and get fatigued and they're wondering, why is this keto diet kicking me in the hiney right now? Well, yeah. you're not doing it well. Or why is, why is sweating so much or running so much or whatever? If yeah. you're exercising a lot, I'm, I'm amazed by how many people don't watch their electrolytes yeah. Um, while they're exercising, especially the people who are gunning it all the time. Yeah, um, exactly. Before we go, exercise. What are you doing these days? Dude, you'll be so proud of me. I got a backyard gym going on. I got one of those tractor tires from a local tractor uh, tire store, and yes. they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just give it to you. I was like, I, really? I was going to pay like 50 or 100 bucks or whatever to get the old tire, but, oh, we got like tons of them back there. Please take them. And I'm like... 
okay. So, so definitely if you're, if you're looking for a cheap way to make kind of a home gym, that's easy. Go get you a tractor tire from a local tire store. They'll give it to you. At least mine did. I love that. Um, and then I've got kettlebells back there, uh, that I'll swing, um, you know, and, and some obstacles back there kind of doing the whole Daryl Edwards, the primal playtime, yes. uh, the fitness explorer. He's amazing and, uh, love that guy to death. And he's really inspired me to try to do this more and more, uh, at home, mm-hmm. I used to be a gym rat when I first started low carb, I'd go down to the gym and walk on the treadmill and do all the stuff in the gym. And I realized after a while, I'm like, why am I paying them to do something I could do right back there in my backyard? Right. Um, and, and I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm not real consistent at it just yet, but I'm working my way there. Cool. Well, that's inspiring. Daryl is the man. He's a past guest of he both so of our awesome. shows and just so cool. But anyway, he's Jimmy, coming on my low carb cruise next year. I can't wait for that. Nice. I know, so, right? We're going to get you on that one of these days. I would love to. That would be so much fun. <laughs> but we got to go. Before we go, Jimmy, where can people find you? So I'm at livinlavitalowcarb.com. If that's too much to remember, just Google my name, Jimmy Moore, and the entire first page is all my stuff. Nice. And a thousand episodes of your show? Unbelievable. Ridiculous. Uh, I, I would have never imagined in October 2006 when I started uh, podcasting as a stupid nerd that didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> this is the living la vida low carb show. Oh, you, you, you were awesome from the beginning. I had to learn to be a little better and, and I'm still seeking to be as good as Abel James. But yes, 1000 episodes uh, just recently passed. Uh, amazing accomplishment. I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away and it definitely would not have happened without all the listeners out there. Congratulations, Jimmy. Sincerely, you. you've done some really cool work in this field. I think uh, anyone who's interested in ketogenic stuff, read all of Jimmy's books. <laughs> He's definitely been tinkering for a long time, and you've had some great success. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Abel. Awesome. Before you go, and if you're listening from the United States, Don't forget to sign up for the giveaway for listeners of Fat-Burning Man. We've teamed up with Thrive Market to do an epic giveaway. You can win a $1,000 shopping spree and one of 10 free year-long memberships to save a ton of cash on real food. Whether you're a first-time purchaser or a current member, you can join the giveaway for your chance to win $1,000 to spend at Thrive on delicious paleo-friendly food like kale chips, nut butter, coconut oil, and my favorite chocolate. And if you're new to Thrive, you'll even get 25% off your first purchase, which is pretty awesome considering their food is already half off. So to sign up for the giveaway and get 25% off your first purchase, visit fatburningman.com forward slash thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. That's fatburningman.com forward slash thrive. Once again, this giveaway is only for listeners in the U.S., but don't worry. We've got some international giveaways coming soon, too. This is Abel signing off. Have a great week. There's another problem with paleo, and this harkens back to the Atkins days and why so many of the low-carb crowd um, are holding on to pounds they don't want to. I felt this when I lost my first kidney. 